Yo, I'm sitting there by the campfire, thinking about cracking a cold one. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is J.J. Martinez. This is Big Jeff. And the professor. That's right. The full-time staff and the three-quarter staff is here for this episode of Unity Before Podcast, which is episode number... Number who knows. Number who knows, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Big Jeff. What's up, brother? Yeah, yeah. What's up? How you doing? Hey, the harmonica, the back. I kind of love that it's back. Do to be honest, back, sure? I do. I are do. I yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, okay. it's bringing a little bit back to when we first started doing the yeah. podcast. Yeah. It's a little nostalgia. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. we're we're around uh, episode forty or something like that. Who okay. knows? But. Yeah. And I, I don't, don't I sound like I got better? All right. I almost think. <laughs> no, no. I feel almost that John Popper from Blues Traveler mm. is doing our intro. Man. Why don't you give me a round and a round? You got Dan Aykroyd would have been a good one too. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, little Blues Brothers. Nice. Very nice. Go for it. Like, go for even, it. I don't even know why I threw that out there, honestly. But that's where I saw him. Like, I couldn't be like... Anyways, that's where I saw him. Well, you tell it. You're hanging with Puffy in the Hamptons. <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd rolls up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that time Michael Irvin looked back over his shoulder and was like, Dang, boy, that boy's still walking off stage. Talking about Serena Williams. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Big Jeff, man. It is, you know, we talked about some very deep intimate um, stuff on this podcast before. We have. I agree. Because, you know, uh, <laughs> I almost went there, but I didn't. I almost went there, but I didn't. Uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves on uh, vulnerability, yeah. opening our chest up, revealing our heart yep. to the world. Sharing ourselves. Yep. Yep. And... Um, this month, it happens to be Mental Health Awareness Month. Awareness Month, yep. Yeah. And I, I feel like on some previous episodes, like, we might have hovered above the surface, right? We're, we're hovering above the surface on some of these issues. Um, and pro- I, I think some of it might have been, in, in, at least personally speaking, is that because um, those experiences and hovering above it, weren't my own. So I didn't feel like I can talk as in depth about it, you know, um, maybe as, or been as poignant about it as I, I could have been at that time. Got it. Because I didn't have certain experiences. In it. Right. Or I just wasn't willing to be vulnerable about those experiences. Willing or ready. Man, right. Stole the words right off of his lips. Right off of that beautiful stash. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can interject right just for a moment. Stash. <laughs> just if peeps have been listening to the podcast and they will know that the professor will have a permed stash. 
and Yeye, Yeye will have a bleach blonde stash because I ain't fitting to lose. In a good way. Yes. Yes. So I think kind of not correcting Yeye, but kind of putting it in, in, in a different way of, you know, not saying that he wasn't willing, but, you know, that he wasn't ready to share or open up or, or put those defenses down. You know, everybody has a time when they are ready, then that's the time that they will uh, kind of open up and uh, share or seek help or, or whatever it may be. Right. It's not just sitting there and you're like, oh, they're not ready? Cool. We'll tuck that away and tuck it down so we don't have to deal with it right now. Um, when you care, it's that continued conversation of, hey, you've been continuing to have this issue, um, or I've noticed this a lot. You're sure you don't want to talk to somebody. You're sure you don't want to talk to me or somebody or seek out resources. Um, yeah, it, this mic is so high right now. <laughs> uh, if I could expound on exactly what it is that we're probably going to jump into, right? Like, so a couple months back, um, Kevin Love, basketball player for the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, wrote this piece, this article, about um, his own struggles with mental health and how he went to go talk to somebody. And there was a, a large buzz about it within within the NBA and he came out to talk about it because he was inspired by another player that had talked about it a week or two beforehand, DeMar DeRozan talked about like his depression and talking to somebody and how he felt about it. Um, then Kevin Love wrote this article and it mentioned him going to seek therapy and talking to a therapist and how difficult that was for him and why he felt that it was important to do it. Wow. So, like, just to, I mean, long story short, from from where I sit, um, is that, like, I went to go talk to somebody not so long ago. Just because of, like, stuff that I was internalizing. And, and keeping inside of my backpack and I didn't want to show it to anybody, you know? And it, man. Take your time, brother. It was just, like growing up, I did, like, talking about stuff, like, emotional baggage or however you want to like uh, describe it we just didn't talk about the hard stuff the meat of stuff like the emotions the feelings we didn't talk about any of that and like I'm trying like if I if I'm trying to 
trace things back. You know, obviously times were different back then um, with respects to even mental health being a conversation. Sure. So, and I don't, I'm, I don't knock anybody in my family for not being open about that stuff, but it, the accessibility of the knowledge for them probably wasn't um, as rampant as it is right now. And even going back further than that, like I remember, I know my mom telling me about my grandfather, who I never had the opportunity to meet, but he served in the Korean War in World War II. And her now understanding what post-traumatic stress is and back then not understanding what it was, but just knowing that her dad was different and acted different and was different and, you know, um, all of that stuff that came along with that. And not being able to have the, that kind of dialogue back then and then that just kind of carrying on over the decades and the years and the next generations of we didn't talk about stuff then and we're not going to talk about stuff now. And it's not because we don't want to talk about it. It's because probably we don't know how to talk about it. And so that kind of that right. lingered with, within me. And to be honest, like if I wasn't in the environment that I am now, with respect to my professional career and, and the, uh, the support systems and just the, the, just the education of the people that I'm surrounded by in this specific field, I probably still wouldn't go talk. I probably wouldn't talk to somebody, you know. Right. So, um, I don't know if I said anything yet, but <laughs> no, you're given some history and and. But yeah, long story short, like I, I, um, I put my big boy pants on, which is probably not the right thing to say either. But for me, I had to own it and had to recognize that it was at the point for me where I had to talk to somebody about something, right? Whatever it was that started coming out mm -hmm. was whatever it was, but I was at the point where I had to talk to somebody about something right? because I know that I was feeling different. I was certainly behaving differently. Probably, I'm probably like if it my there was probably a shell of me that had a lasso around me that continued to pull me back as I was trying to move forward, you know. So I had to merge. I had, I needed to, to to bring those two people together uh, so that we can move forward. But so I talked to somebody a couple times, though, and it wasn't an easy thing to tell some of my family members about. Like I, my brother, I, like my brother was, has been my crutch for a long time. And so he, he, he kind of, he's talked to me over the years when I struggled. And then I had to have a conversation with my sister just to let her know that I, I went to talk to somebody. Um, and I don't know why, like, I don't know why those conversations seem so hard to have. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, looking back, I don't know why they seem so hard to have. Like, who's, who, like, from whose perspective was I, I seeing it from that it was so difficult for me to, 
have a dialogue with somebody about how I was feeling and what was happening with me. And then I, I just told my mom today that I talked to somebody. So, and, and now I don't even know, like, I don't know how she's processing that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because I'm certain, I'm, I'm positive at some point in her life, and maybe even now, that she might have wanted to try to talk to somebody or, try to, or wanted to seek out those kind of venues, but didn't because she wasn't aware of um, the process. She didn't know anyone else that had talked to somebody. Um, and just probably didn't know that how, how it could help either. Right. In general, worried about the stigma, right? Like, what happens if I do go talk to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And then other people find out, what are they going to think of me? Even though it's now looking back on it objectively, it's like, this is a process I'm doing to improve myself. That's a very noble, good, and brave thing to do. Mm-hmm. But we have a tendency sometimes when we, we look at those outside sources, when other people find out about this, are they going to think I'm weaker? Are they going to think I can't handle it? Are they going to think there's something wrong with me and they're not going to be able to trust me? Like, there's always a thousand reasons not to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And the one reason to do it is really the best reason, but we start playing all these different scenarios in our head and it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. So, I know there were a couple of things as you were talking that, so you had mentioned you had told your brother then you had to tell your sister and you just told your mom today and you don't know how that's happening. But what, so speaking about how sometimes we don't know how to go about doing something or uh, leery about starting to have the conversation with someone or so it seemed like it was really big for you just to even make that call to your fam to let them know that, right, that something that might just be a casual, like, hey, by the way, I want to go s- speak to somebody. It was almost like a like a cringe, like, yeah, and then I had to tell the fam. Is that you were worried about how they would react? Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. Um, because it's, it's not that it's, not in our DNA, but just, I think just culturally, um, you know, we might have talked about this in an episode before, kind of this idea, like, within uh, at least Puerto Rican culture, I can't speak for all, but, like, to talk to somebody about emotions or feelings, like, just culturally, like, there's this machismo that, that exists within our culture, and it's like, Oh, you can't handle it? Like, man up? Like, or that kind of stuff, you know? So, and growing up, like, we didn't, my dad was in the Marines, bro. Like, we lived on a military base. Um, Grew up around the military our entire lives. So even from that perspective, like, seeing how people are tough, you know? Seeing how people are, are big and bad and, like, you know, what they put out there is is how they are perceived. So I I don't know <laughs> I don't I can't remember a time 
where my dad has ever come home and been just like emotionally like um, beat up. I'm sure maybe behind closed doors. Right. You know, I I do think more of my my mom. Like we probably saw that a little bit more in her. Right. Um, but even so, it wasn't like we talked about it or talked about anything really deep. Got to got to the root of of where the wounds are in our family. Right. So to be able to tell them that I have wounds and I need you to to help me through this is was difficult to even perceive and conceptualize in my head. So when you made those calls and you were timid and, and nervous and if you don't mind sharing, like what did they say and what was their reaction? And if you don't want to go into it, you don't have to. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we, we speak about the podcast, about how we speak from the heart and how we share share our feelings right, right this right. is but again if you don't want to yeah i mean the first time that i called my brother was probably like six years ago and i think this is actually the, the first time that the first time that i can remember being like man i need to talk to somebody like i spoke with my brother and then like this is like six years ago and he's like i hear you and i i've got your back and i love you but you also need to probably seek some other kind of help as well. And so I didn't, right? I just kind of leaned on him. And, and part, I mean, honestly, I probably put that burden on him of constantly thinking about how I'm feeling or what I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's part of it as well. Like, when you talk about, like, why it would be hard to tell a fact, like, my family specifically is because you don't want to feel like you want to burden anybody. So that was that kind of thought process. But then, I mean, I talked to my sister, I mean, only probably a couple of months ago, if that. And, like, I was, like, scared to tell her because, again, not wanting to burden her or put... Just not wanting to burden her or have her think about my issue as well. And so some of it is probably just that I'm assuming that when I tell somebody, they're going to think of it a certain way. And that's an assumption that I'm making that is certainly not accurate. And not justified, right. Right. Do you think a piece of why you were so apprehensive about telling your sister was, I'm not trying to analyze anybody here, but you know, for maybe somebody listening, it might help them or, or, uh, do you think that a piece of it was you looking at it like you're her big brother and her being your little sister, there was any of that? Oh man, you know, maybe subconsciously. Um, 
yeah, maybe subconsciously, and I, I don't know if it's like. Like, she's married with kids and everything. Like, I don't need to be her protector. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always going to be the big brother, but um, the role that I play now for her is different than the role that I played when she wasn't. Back in the day, right. Stuff. So, I think just, just fear, man. Fear of the unknown. Um, fear, like, yeah, I guess fear of the unknown. Like, it wasn't something that those kind of tough dis- discussions didn't happen in our family. So, I d- and then I don't want, I didn't want to put pressure on them to feel like they had to do something. You know? It's just more about me telling them, but I don't want to put pressure on them to feel like they had to do something or had to take action in some kind of way. Uh, so, you know, me being apprehensive to tell her or anybody else in my family, I guess, was just that, uh, I guess this feeling of, I don't want you to feel like you have to do something, you know? Yeah, I think that, like, you're right, man, like, there's this kind of interesting thing is when you open up to someone about that, all of a sudden they're texting you every day, hey, how's your day going, is everything okay, and you kind of feel like they have this obligation to be checking in on you and be, mm-hmm. like, your keeper, oh my God, they're doing all right, and that's like yeah. the biggest Kind of goes back to something you said earlier uh, that I want to bring up. You said it's like it's kind of cultural, but I think one of the big points is that like it's also generational, right? Like we yeah. don't. It's not that our parents are bad parents. It's not that all these different things or our siblings are bad siblings. They just don't have the tools, right? Yeah. They don't have the education, um, and we're very fortunate to be in a time now where younger generations, not perfect, but are being exposed to a lot more outlets to be able to talk and express these things. And so we're kind of a unique space, like the three of us sitting at a table, right, like a little bit older, that we see this happening now. We kind of want to open up and talk about it, but our support networks and systems haven't really caught up with those tools, and so there is a learning curve to it. Um, I mean, yeah, it's even given my own experiences, like very selective of who I talk to because then all of a sudden I'm getting these weird texts all the time. I'm like, we text once a week at most maybe, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden two times a day you're checking in to see how my day is going. Right, right. Um, but that's their way of showing they care, and they just don't quite know how to absorb that information yet, and what they need to do with it. And sometimes we don't want anything to change; we just want to get it out there. Yeah. You know, we want to maintain the same relationship. We want to still be kind of viewed the same way, but just know that there's this piece of us that's a little bit different than maybe they thought. Mm-hmm. You see a beautiful thing though about like what you were saying. Even though if we are the person who says something to somebody, whether it be a family member or a friend or for that person to now text us twice a day, I think later on down the line, at first, maybe maybe we'll take it as uh, an annoyance or, oh, wow, now I'm looked at like this, like I'm broken possibly or, or whatever it may be. But I think later on down the line, when you can look at it and say, uh, they were only caring and loving for me, sh- trying to, you know, make sure that I was okay. And, like, it's interesting, like, listening to uh, Ye Ye talk about, about what, like, prompted him. Um, when, it, when I went through my own shit, um, I didn't plan on telling my older brothers, right? Like, I was always the young, the weak, 
younger, weaker brother, right? Like I was always the one that was like kicking a bunch of shit. I was the one that was never cutting the slack or, you know, just making it. And so when I joined the army and I had done my stuff, I felt like I finally earned their respect, right? Um, and then when I got out, it was very difficult, like to come to terms that I had an invisible wound of war or whatever you want to label it. Um, and so when I was looking for a job and all this different stuff, I planned on being firefighters like them. You know, got a disability rating from the VA, realized that probably wasn't going to happen realistically. I didn't, ha I had no intention of telling them, but then it was, the question came up. It was kind of prompted by an event of, well, why aren't you going to be a firefighter? Um, and that's when that conversation started, because I don't think it was something I could have done without any, and it just sounded kind of similar, right? Like with talking about your sister, like your sister or your mom, there, there were certain things that spurred you to talk about, because it's not an easy thing to come out and say, oh, hey, by the way. Um, and it's, it's hard because they're not, they don't have those tools, right? The first time I, I told one of my brothers who I really respect, and it's not, in the moment it hurt me so much um, and kind of caused a rift. But uh, I was, he's like, what, you didn't get shot? You're fine. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's different, man. It's just the middle like, does that mean you cry yourself to sleep at night, Brian? You wet the bed? Like, mm. And it wasn't because he didn't care, right? It's just didn't have the tools, didn't have the kind of education or the understanding to really know how to navigate that space. Um, and so... Yeah, it's hard because then that, that puts you in a weird space, right? And uh, it's, it's not, I don't blame him for that. Like now, I, you know, in the moment, it, it was probably like top five angriest times I've ever been in my life. But when I look back on it, I'm like, would I react any differently without any type of understanding, education, familiarity with that space? And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult coming forward and telling, especially the ones you care about, that you, you want their respect, you want their understanding and all these different things. feel like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, uh, so what do I do with this information now, right? So from their perspective, I can see them being like, what do I do with this information now? Um, and at least for my family, like not knowing, just being not, not being knowledgeable about mental health issues or everything that comes along with that or what talking to somebody really even means. Like for me trying to put myself in their shoes, they're probably like, okay, what do I do with this information now? So I think that's part of the, the what made it more difficult for me. And I didn't tell my mom until you were prompted. <laughs> which was today. Today. Yeah. And I'm 39, I'm 39, 39 years old, bro. You eat you choked a little when you said that, huh? I wanted to say 38, and I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> 39, 39. So let me ask you, with, right? Now you're talking, you spoke to your brother six years ago. You spoke to your sister three three months ago, right? You want me to shut up? No, I feel like I know where you're know. going. Go ahead. <laughs> so you have the fear. You have the not knowing how is my mom going to react to this and and probably many different feelings going on. Mm -hmm. What was the first thing that she said to you when you told her? Okay. Yeah. So those three words to me are super huge, uh -huh. right? Because it's not judgmental. It's not thinking any way about you. It's, there's true caring there. 
and making her tr wanting to make sure that you are okay. Yeah, and I get that, and and I also don't want to make it seem like, uh, like I've, I only went twice, and I'm not I'm not trying to say that's a good or a bad thing. You know what I mean? I'm saying I only went twice, so I'm I know that, um, you know, that my issue is my issue. Other people have their issues, and um, you know, I just want to say like. I know that people go to talk to somebody because they have, I don't know, man. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's stuff. I'm not trying to say, I don't know what I'm trying to say, bro. So somebody's problems, quote-unquote problems or issues or things that they have that they've been shoving down nobody's one issue is greater than another issue, right? Yeah, so there's, a, there's a huge spectrum of things that you could be struggling with, right? Um, and it's not, it's not a matter of like, oh, well, you know, my issue's not big enough. No, there's, there's, there's plenty of people to talk to out there. There's, there's, at the end of the day, I think it boils down to, this is something that, like, that I've kind of come to recently and looked at is like, if you're not happy with who you are and how you're living your life, how things are going, then do something about it, right? Like, because um, it's one of the things you look at the way I'm not happy with the way I continuously have this feeling and how I feel about myself or what I do with it. it doesn't matter where it comes from or what what's going on with it. Um, there's opportunities to go out there and and work on that, right? And improve yourself. And that's I think that's part of the problem is that we look at like I say we, not everyone, but. Um, it's a sign of weakness that you can't handle the stuff going on versus looking at it as an opportunity to change and grow and become stronger. Um, and it sucks, right? Because there's so many other things in life we look at that way, right? Like, oh, that's you improving yourself. That's you, you know, losing weight and doing all this different stuff. That's a, that's an improvement. That's you doing this. That's not a weakness, you know. Um, but when it comes to mental health, for some reason we have a different um, perspective. And, uh, yeah. So I, I think uh, there are a couple of things. So something that might be so minute to me could be world-shattering for somebody else, right? Yeah. Going back to the whole, the problem that I have is not the same problem that somebody else has. So no matter how big or how small, whatever it is in that person's life is at the time the biggest thing. Um, and I think, damn it, I had something, but. Yeah, so e I think even, like, as I'm trying to articulate how I feel about it right now, like, I'm still withholding because of my history with not talking about stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? And the, the background that I came up with. And either the inability or just the the misinformation about somebody that talks about about how about somebody that talks about like how that's perceived and what comes along with that. So one thing that I want to say, and, and I'll swing it over to Professor, is that like 
having the conversation with my brother, my sister, and now my mom give, gives them an opportunity. It invites them in now in a different way. And it gives them strength, right? I feel like it gives them strength in being able to, to have that discussion as well. And maybe I invited them in to a conversation that they've been wanting to have. Right. Not specifically with me, but maybe with some of their own things. And I hope, if anything, by me being the first one in my media family, like knowing it or believing that I'm the one in my family that, that has gone to seek assistance from experts, um, I hope that that gives them power and strength to talk about things in a different way. glad that I invited them in and I'm grateful that they received uh, the fact that I did go seek help um, as a positive thing. Yeah, I think, I think you kind of hit like an interesting point where you're talking about um, struggling with the words now, right? There are completely different audiences to talk about this and different levels of willing to go into. Just because you're willing to talk about it with one person doesn't mean you're willing to talk about it with everybody. Knowing yourself, knowing what with the doing. millions, because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's—I think that's—that's that's an interesting thing that happens sometimes in mental health. As soon as you start to open that door, everyone knows everything. That becomes very overwhelming. It becomes very—I um, don't know—desensitizing and all these different things. And so it is knowing that having control over that gateway, right? Um, knowing who you want to let in, because it is a very intimate and personal thing. And so. Sometimes there's, it's very freeing to open up and start talking, and then all of a sudden you find it's, you know it's, it's not exactly always fit for the masses, right? You have to you have to be willing to recognize who you're willing to let into that circle. So why do we think that is not fit for the masses? Why, why? With pizza, that's with now, right? like that's the conversation now, right? Or part of the conversation? Why do we think that it's not fit for the masses? It, like. Case in point, like it wasn't fit for the masses, it wasn't even fit for my family. So why do we think that it's not fit for the masses? But we're starting to hear about it more, we're talking about it more, right? No, um, you're right. But at the end of the day, you have to recognize your own personal limitations and what you're willing to accept when it comes back to the feedback you're going to receive from other people. And it's not a matter, maybe I, I phrased that wrong, but um, I think one of the things that's like, it's okay to put things out there. I'm not telling people not to put them out there, but you got to be ready for what's going to come back. And so if you're confronting a lot of issues and things uh, in your personal life and that you are talking to a professional about it, um, you, you do that in an environment where you get comfortable with it. Um, can I share a personal, like... Always, yeah. So when, when, I started, uh, when I started struggling with my mental health, it was very difficult for me to talk about and work with and, um, you know... Barely even talked to my wife about it at the time until it became an issue where I had to go start seeking mental health help, tried to hide it from my unit. The guys in my platoon slowly opened up to them um, because I, the reality is I knew that I couldn't take the criticism from them because uh, it got out at one point and people made jokes. Mm. Um, but then it turned out I was very fortunate because it could have been a, another one of those crushing moments. So like four of the guys were like, hey, I'm going too. Like I've been there. I'm doing that. Like. And so there was this reinforcing factor to it. 
Um, but if no one else had raised their hand, I w it would have been crushing. Because you, you have to be very honest with yourself on what you can be willing to hear back. And it's you should be able to, right? In a perfect world, we should all be able to go out there and talk about what we're going through and all these different things. But the problem is, no one, you know, reality is, sorry, perfect world, no one, you shouldn't have to expect any harsh criticism or people giving you feedback you're not ready for. But the reality is, it's going to come. And so I think, like, one of the important lessons is, is that, yes, you should be able to go out there and talk to trained professionals about it, right? To help you equip yourself so that you can. I mean, I've gotten to the point where um, it's not like, I don't want to sound like bragging, but I have on my resume, right, disabled veteran, blah, 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 with certain things. And someone's like, why would you put that? How are you going to, they may not hire you or this, this and this and that and this and this and that. And I was like, well, first, I'm never going to change the perception of what it means to have an invisible disability, you know, because it's become kind of a personal mission statement, right, of, of what that means if people don't know that about me. And second of all, I don't want to work for an organization you don't that is going to make those. Just like you don't have to disclose that either. No, you're right, you're right. But it's one of those things that I've taken as a personal because of how long it took me to get to a certain spot mm -hmm. where I was comfortable with it and realized that I wanted it to be normalized. But it, that wasn't my first iteration of my resume when I got out of the military wasn't like that. It took a lot of work and for me being willing to share that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just kind of speaking to that idea of making sure you're ready for that criticism Maybe not even criticism, but just feedback. Because sometimes it comes from a very honest and genuine place, but it's not what you want to hear. Like I said with my brothers, right? That was how he knew how to deal with it. Like growing up, we, you know, you just make fun of each other and kind of poke. Man, I wasn't ready to hear that. Um, I needed support at that time, and so that was a a, a learning curve for me. And uh, I eventually got to a point where I I do that now. Um, I don't go out and wear a T-shirt and introduce myself that way. But if the opportunity comes up to talk about it to help educate people, that's another thing, but it wasn't something that just happened when, hey, I've got a mental health issue, I'm just gonna go out and start talking about it. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, I was very fortunate that things fell a certain way because they could have potentially been very damning for me as they have for a lot of other people. So you mentioned that, you know, with your brothers that they didn't know how to deal with it and, and they didn't know what to say. They said what they said um, at any point, did they come around, uh, try to understand or seek to understand? Um, I think it's kind of been a failed opportunity at both ends because it happened at a certain transition point in my life where it was easy to kind of like take some distance. And it's an area that I've since, or we, we have since worked on rebuilding. Um, and yeah, they've been, they've actually been really awesome about it recently as I started to kind of dip my toe back into it. Because like I said, they weren't, for me, at the point I heard it from him, I could have taken the random feedback from somebody who didn't know any better, but these are guys that I've like, not to get into my deep shit, but like just tirelessly worked to earn their respect and felt like I had it and then felt like I lost it, right? Um, and so we've gotten to a space now where I think we talk about it, not all the time, but like just engage with it enough. And uh, I could do a lot better job of probably talking about it them not to like analyze them but i think they actually at this point finally have something to learn from me so right i have other questions that i want to ask but no, no, go for it may dig too personal no, no. i'm ready for it <coughs> i'm seeing my therapist tomorrow so, so he's on fire though they're good questions so with you saying what your brothers had said earlier on 
and now trying to them and you trying to mend that space is it just where for lack of better terms being like the dick older brothers or the jerk older brothers messing and saying stuff like that or like do they kind of realize now like we may have gone too far and we should have said what we said or I don't think so I don't think they realize like I don't think they could point to that point uh, and say like oh that's where we messed up right like there was just this natural point like I said that it was a failure on my end where it was just easy to drift apart right I got out of the army I didn't come home I stayed in Florida there in Arizona so it just kind of seemed like this natural easy way it was an easy excuse for me um, but it's just one of those things I think that as I've started to kind of get back in touch with them and visit home more. Um, we've just kind of had casual conversations about, um, and it's more inquisitive on their end because I did kind of throw that information out there and um, just kind of seeing that maybe I didn't fulfill their expectations of what was going to happen for me moving forward. Right. Um, and that I'm in a, a certain place and they're like, oh man, obviously maybe he proved us wrong. Let's talk to him about this a little bit. Uh, I think that might be the case. Okay. We're still, it's still very much like an odd space to engage with for us. And it's something I'm trying to work on, but also like, again, we're not getting too much. Like I'm enjoying having a relationship with them again. So I'm trying not to push right. the issue too much, but they're definitely very curious about like where I'm at, what I do and um, how things are going with my mental health. So. That's good, brother. Yeah. So Mr. Yay Yay, joking saying I get to ask all the questions today <laughs> you know me baby I, I'm I've always been an open book you know uh, listen oh. listen to the podcast peeps earlier podcast and you'll hear a bunch about my youth and APs and BPs and oh, and yeah. you know just relationships and just stuff that had happened to me uh, but you know always joke that the wife is like how are you halfway normal you know mm -hmm. she'll say stuff like that because she knows everything about me mm -hmm. you know what I went through is a ute all the way up to a, a ute oh. <laughs> two utes my cousin Vinny uh, youth uh, but you know and she jokes saying stuff like that like how are you halfway normal with the stuff that you went through, which is mm -hmm. funny. Somebody else could react badly to hearing that. But mm -hmm. uh, years ago, my when I was a kid, a little kid, uh, my parents put me in therapy. They put me in therapy because I was acting out, but I was acting out because of things that they were doing, right? right. right? Uh, so went through some therapy as a kid, then nothing. Right. Uh, we've spoken. I've always been the type to just shove it down and shove it down. And I'm the first to preach to everybody else to let it out, let it out, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, you know, mostly I've been like a loner when it comes to my feelings. Uh, for years, I've said that I need to go see somebody and I just haven't there's no reason it's just like I need to go and still to this day and I think it's going to come in the very near future that I will actually go 
uh, like I'm doing way better than I was in the past, depression-wise and anger-wise, and 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 because I'm making conscious decisions to try to control these feelings. But I know personally that if you, I would speak to somebody about them, that it would be a little load off of me. Which I think is a you know? good point to make as well. Like it's a great point. Like even if like just knowing that there's a resource there and not even and you said, you know, everybody's issue is their own and they deal with it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't feel like you have a particular issue to consult with somebody about. Maybe even just stepping into that realm, knowing that this person's a professional and that, hey, this, you know, I I maybe want to talk to my friends, I maybe want to talk to my family. Um, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to uh, make a big deal about things or whatever it is that you're dealing with in your own head, right? but just knowing that there's a resource available professionally that you can go and talk to and they can help you through some of those things that you're thinking. The, you know? the appealing thing about a professional and going to speak to a professional, especially if I'm having reservations about speaking to friends or family, is that they are a totally non-judging entity. Yeah, well, most of them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think, like, not stopping you from sharing right with those people but it's it's taking some of that burden off of them and off of you and putting it in the hands of someone who's equipped to handle it um again it's 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 a hard lesson learned for me myself personally like um it's really easy to have one close person or significant other whoever it is to be your kind of unofficial therapist right and that's a huge burden to handle um, if you're having trouble processing things and you're running everything through them and you, it's not like an intentional thing that you end up doing. You find that confidant of that person and then you just, that's the one you go to to unload. And most of the time they want that, right? They want to help you. They want, but man, that's a lot. Um, and it's not that you shouldn't share things with them, but for relationships and personal growth, it's sometimes stuff that is best handled with a mental health professional and still with them, but Putting in that mental health professional's hands first, maybe, or predominantly, helps you have a more productive conversation with your loved one about what you're going through, how you're feeling, and helps you structure in a way for your personal relationship and the growth of that and yourself, right? Um, so instead of complaining about, not complaining, but talking about what you're going through, being able to, you know, I don't understand how I feel about this as I'm talking with your therapist, and, and you work that through, then you're able to go home and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this and you're able to communicate it a little bit more effectively and put it in terms for you guys to have a, uh, a stronger relationship, whether that's mm-hmm. spouse, best friend, brother, mother, father, father. <laughs> mother, mother! Because <laughs> 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 um, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's um, something I've looked back on in hindsight, right, that uh, I think both me and my significant other did at one point that like blurred the lines in our relationship and made it like difficult to look at each other in other ways besides support network, right? Um, 
yeah, it's just, it's the same. It's really difficult. And so if you value those relationships, it's twofold. You help, you help keep them connected in the way that you want them to be. And then you also help ease some of that burden that we talked about that we feel like we're putting on them, knowing that you're talking to a professional about this. You can put that out there to them and be like, hey, I'm talking to so-and-so about this or you know, whatever, but I still want to share this piece with you. It takes a little bit, I think, off of them and helps maintain that relationship dynamic that we talked about we want to maintain, right? If I tell this person, all of a sudden they're going to look at me different and we're not going to be able to have the same relationship we had, um, it can help navigate that space a little bit better, I think. Well, it also helps that other person not feel like they have to be a problem solver or come up with an answer or, or, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's why they call him the professor. (laughs) No, I think that's, it's, and look, you can tell by the way that I'm coming across that it's still hard for me to, you know, verbalize and, and put out there. Um, and one of the things I think is that, you know, and like I had this conversation with with the professor and when I told him that I was going to talk to somebody or that I had talked to somebody, like it took him by surprise. Is that that's fair to say? No, no, yeah, yeah, man. It's, yeah. Um, I mean, without getting too much, when you told me why, I was like, oh man, I would have, you know, that's, that's not, not to get into a term, but like, that's not what you present sometimes, right? Um, and so there's this idea of, am I, do you, let no, me, we go, go no, like, we, we're gonna go. No, sorry, <laughs> we, like, it's, it's a great example of this idea of a mask, right? There's this face that we show to the world, mm-hmm. and then there's what's underneath the mask that we are actually dealing with and holding into ourselves and not showing the world. Right, um, and so that mask can be all smiles. It can be all this. It can be all that. Um, I mean, sometimes we can even hide in the positive emotions, right? We can be this like perpetual grump, and inside we're actually really happy, but we're just more comfortable not letting people see that. But it's it speaks to that, right? Like that we have these masks we put out, and I think you talked about it earlier um, at the very beginning when you're talking about how people were going to perceive you. Mm-hmm. There's this kind of image we want to show the world, and then as a result there are certain things we keep inside of the mask, right? That we, we keep to just ourselves and maybe a very small, like, group of people. And so that, for me, that was, like, not to use like that, but, like, when you, it, like, it clicked for me, like, because it's something I talk about what I do with work, mm-hmm. these masks where I was like, holy shit, like, I just, I always assumed, you know what I mean? Like, I saw that, that image, that th- this thing, and I was like, oh, man, it was. It was, a, it was a big moment for me. I'm just a little taken back that uh, with the professor being a three-fourth member of the show, and I'm a full member of the show, he knew why, and I don't know why. So I'm well, just, I didn't know why, just, you know, in my <laughs> in the most general of terms, it might be the Beauty and Professor podcast no, no, from now on. Like I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So so pretty. I think that what I was just trying to get at is that um, you, don't, you don't know 
what people are going through. Yep. Yep. You know? Yep. And that What were you gonna say? Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, go ahead, because I don't know what I'm about just, to say. <laughs> just with what you just said, right? You don't know what people are going through. That statement and sentence alone is so powerful, and I would only wish that everybody would think about that prior to casting any judgment or any feelings on somebody without actually knowing the deal. I used to work at a medical supply company. At that medical supply company, we had a... uh, uh, one of the sales guys who had the reputation of being a real jerk, okay? Super rude, super nasty when he would call up and we were there to help all of the sales reps. So he called one day and I'm like, oh, great, here we go. Winds up that he had a little attitude going on. And so I kind of said to him, I'm like, one day and I could have got fired, you know, if he would have complained or something. I said, I said, what's up with you today? Like, what's wrong that you're treating me like this when I'm trying to help you, right? So all of a sudden, there was this big, big sigh, really big sigh. And he's like, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't mean to do that, but my son is really acting up today. And I said, well, what do you mean your son's acting up? What's going on? And he said that my son has severe, very severe autism. And uh, he wasn't married. He was his primary caregiver, you know. So it's, and then there were some medical problems on top of that. So here it is. I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. I helped him with what he needed and I got off the phone. I sat back in my chair for a good 10 minutes and I just said to myself, like, here it is. Everybody has the worst opinion of this guy just because he has an attitude and he might be rude and this, that, the other thing. But nobody knows that the issues with his son and that he doesn't have a spouse or partner to help take care of his son. And here it is, he's dealing with being like the top 10 rep in the company on top of all the travel that he has to do, on top of taking care of his son, on top of keep going with the list. And I was one of those people who made a judgment about him without knowing his situation. Probably an objective look at himself and what he's presenting too. Right. Right. So it's it's two ways, and you're right. Sometimes it takes asking that question, having empathy. Yeah. Yep. Having empathy to give that person the grace and the opportunity to say, "Oh man, that's right. I am coming across this way. That's not who I am. That's not the image I want, or not image, but the the version of myself." Persona. Right. Sure. Um, so it allows them the opportunity to take ownership too, because like until somebody has that conversation with you or you get involved very difficult because there is ownership on both levels right like offering that that moment that empathy but then also for the other person to say oh that's not who I am that's not right right yeah and I mean I I think it's on so many levels 
you know, it could have just been somebody who has an attitude because they got rear-ended on their way into work. You know, it could be, you know, it could be a million and one things. Somebody could have just gotten a horrible diagnosis from a doctor. You know, somebody could be, like, scrolling through stuff on Instagram while you're trying to have a podcast. Uh, You know, it could be so many different things, and you just never know. Or you could see the person scrolling through Instagram while you're trying to have the podcast, so you may know. Yeah, you can do that. (laughs) But that phrase, like you said, it's just... It could really be eye-opening if, number one, if you take the time to want to know uh, and just maybe to have that pause prior to jumping to conclusions. Speaking of jumping to conclusions. So, you know, we talked about this month being Mental Health Awareness Month and um, us just kind of us wanting to be uh, some of the people that continue to push this kind of dialogue forward because we know how important it is and we've had our experiences with it and um, we know we're in an environment where people deal with a lot of mental health issues yep. and not only do we uh, have some expertise in this background but it's, it's important to keep the conversation alive. If we don't keep the conversation alive, then what happens is, I think exactly what happened in my case is that um, you're 39 years old and, and you feel like you can't talk to your family about it, you feel like you can't talk to friends about it, and it gets to, it comes to a head and you have to truly seek help. talked about it kind of midway through is that you know the, the professionals are there as resources. You don't have to be at, at your wits end before you go and ask somebody a question. Right. Or seek out a little bit of guidance or counseling. Right? And that's I think that's 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 the notion that comes along with it is that it's a bad thing and that it's scary and that it's ugly and that you're talking to somebody because there is a problem there. There's a true issue there. When it doesn't have to be that. Right. That's the way that we've made it out to be. Right. These people are counselors. These people can provide you with different tools and resources to help you with what might be the smallest thing to you to might be the hardest thing to you. And I think that there's a proactive approach that we can take when it comes to our own mental health, just like our physical health. So, you know, keeping the mind, like it can help keep our, just our minds prepared and help us see things differently. And if that's one thing to do, um, that can kind of um, open up the curtains and pull the blinds down. Everybody say, oh, that's not as scary as I thought it was. Right, right. Because right. it's, it's not. It's really not. At least from my perspective. From when, when I finally 
got enough courage to go and talk to somebody. I was like, whoa, this isn't as scary. Like, he provided me, me with some legit tools and stuff like that that I can use for just um, things that may not be as big as what I initially came in there for. Right. So I think that's one thing that maybe we can just put out there a little bit more with respects to how these professionals in this space can, can help people overcome challenges. It could be It could be something like public speaking or getting up and talking to somebody to challenges that you have all the way up to really bad thoughts about hurting yourself. Right. You know? So, um, you know, we're going to have another conversation with a, a prof- another professional later on. Mental health professional in a few weeks. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's going to be, um, you know, if you listen to this one, make sure that you listen to that one. Yep. Because there's going to be some great pointers. Because they're going to know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you think you've heard it all here, you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> that next episode, I'm telling you. No, but, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts, but, you know, I think it's probably, probably a great point to, have to talk about some takeaways from it. Uh, just right off the bat, just to touch on what you were saying, is it doesn't necessarily have to be a horrible childhood or a super traumatic event that you go seek help for. It could just be wanting to get stuff off your chest, uh, like we were saying, on somebody who's non-judgmental and, and doesn't have a horse in the race. Just somebody to talk to that is a stranger. Yeah. You know? Right, yeah. right. Um, I think it's important for those who uh, are the ones who are being uh, told, you know, maybe there somebody has an issue, or if you think that somebody could use the help but is not willing at the time to get the help, I think it's important to, uh, like the professor was saying earlier, to stick around and to be that person who, you know, once in a, once in a while brings it up, how are you doing? Uh, are you sure you don't want to go speak to somebody? But don't be the one that at one point says, you know, I've asked this person 10 times and I brought it up 10 times and they're not willing to go do something when I know that they could use the help, don't just walk away. Because uh, that's, I think, one of the worst things that you could do. You know, you mentioned the professor there, and we've included a new segment here on Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast every time we have our three-quarter partner with us, the professor. Um, and, you know, we brought this dude to the table because of his, his, just, his wide breadth of knowledge about so many different things. Like he had a rep. He, like, he is an encyclopedia. He is the Britannica. In Jeff's case, he is the world, the world, the world book, baby. world book <laughs> uh, of knowledge. And we've included this segment so that he can have his shine here on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the point of podcast where the professor brings all this together, packages it up. In a nice encyclopedia, knocks on your door and tries to sell it to you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, professors, points. I don't know, I don't know about all that. I just <laughs> but um, use some terms earlier, Jason, this idea of like emotional baggage. 
um, which I know might be uh, an unpopular term, but just to kind of ride out like a metaphor with it, is that we're, we're never completely free of all these things we're dealing with, right? Like going to a therapist isn't gonna just, there's no cure, right? Um, those issues are gonna still be there and like we're still gonna have to work through it. And so like looking in the terms of baggage, uh, everyone has enough baggage at least for a, you know, a long weekend, a four day weekend. But when you find yourself accumulating enough emotional baggage for a three-week vacation in Europe, it might be time to start evaluating how you're dealing with all that baggage and how you're going to get it to where you need to go and start seeking a professional. And not getting rid of it, because that's, that's, I think, a big problem is that people think they get rid of the baggage. It's just getting it down to a manageable amount that you can put it in a carry-on for a long weekend. Um, and so if there's any big takeaway for me to kind of get out there about mental health, it's that, that it's always gonna be there, right? Um, just get it to the manageable, manageable size in terms that you are comfortable dealing with it. If you're cool having enough to take to Europe for three weeks, go for it, but that's a, a lot of stuff to be lugging around and it's gonna get painful and it's gonna wear down on you. The professor's point, taking you to school, baby. Pew, pew! You've been schooled. <laughs> That's the catchphrase. Big <laughs> Jeff. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the point in the podcast where Yeye now drops some knowledge. Always brought to you by Team. Grasshopper. Ladies and gentlemen, Yay's Beast Mode Moment. He forgot what I did not. It was a it's called a dramatic pause. Oh, okay. It's our beast mode moment. <laughs> dramatic pause. Um, so as I was scrolling through Instagram earlier, my partner uh-huh. pointed out. There was something on there that I wanted to tie back into this episode. So I was looking for that as he was in deep conversation with the professor. And I found it. Nice. So thanks, Jeff, for that. <laughs> uh, and I feel, I feel like it's relevant. And the Beast Mode moment today is... change yourself or the world around you. You don't need anyone's approval to change yourself or the world around you. And the reason why I chose that one is because I felt for that long period of time that I needed approval from my parents or from my friends or from just from those that I've been close to to actually go and seek out help. And I didn't need anyone's approval. 
Sometimes you just know when it's the moment. And when you know that it's the moment, you don't need approval from somebody to take that step. Because you're just trying to talk yourself out of it. time for you to seek help will happen. Listen to yourself. Don't be scared of your own thoughts. Don't be scared of what could happen. And don't make assumptions that people aren't going to be there because they don't understand or it hasn't been the world that they lived in. So, you don't need approval. Beats more moments. Mm. I scroll through Instagram for you. <laughs> I'm happy you were scrolling, brother. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the point in the podcast where my buddy, Big Jeff, music is in his blood. It's in his veins. Back in the days, him and his band would go on tour, sell out shows, win competitions. I mean, this dude, like, he knows how to find the perfect song for the moment. His wife said the same thing. (laughs) 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 He knows how to find the right song to tie all of this together. So in this segment of the show, Big Jeff finds a song that's going to tie this together with a nice bow and put it in the package and deliver it to you in song. And it's a segment that we like to call Jason Continues to Talk. You're gonna. You're gonna. But we do want you guys to hang around with us this month because we're going to have very fantastic, a very special guest. And actually, 
our first female guest on the Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast. Probably shouldn't have said that. Why? <laughs> I just feel like pointing out the fact that it's the first female guest. She is the first female. I understand, but like, why well, haven't you had one before now? Then give me the question that comes to everybody's mind. Well, we our faces in the crowd interview. Uh, we've had what four or five of them, six of them, seven of them, around there out of forty episodes. Um, but you know when you're doing that. How many faces in the crowd? No, how many number of episodes? Oh, well, Jeff called it out earlier. Called out after I asked him what number of episode it was, but yeah, this, so we're we're ecstatic about it, man. You know, our first female um, to come on the show. So, um, if the professor feels some type of way about me saying that, <laughs> uh, but uh, say it. No, I'm just. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff. This could be a long one. Yeah, yeah, couldn't wait till that was over. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't know it. Speak on it, though. Do you know it, Professor? Don't play on the spot. Uh, I don't know. I just said I don't know. No, I know the song. I can... I've had, like, eight beers, man. <laughs> it was originally done by The Who. Yeah. And this version was done by Limp Biscuit. The song is called Behind Blue Eyes. And uh, as usual, anytime I play a rock or heavy metal song, Yay wants to slap me in the face. Not, not even. But. But. <laughs> that didn't move you whatsoever. I I was with you, man. I'm sorry, I was scrolling through my Instagram. You son of a gun. <laughs> uh, so the purpose of playing that song is. Throughout the song, they keep saying, no one knows what it's like to blah, blah, blah. No one knows what it's like to blah, blah, blah. No one knows what it's like, you know, in all these different situations. And, you know, no one knows how hard it is to bite back on my anger. No one knows how hard it is to be alone. No one knows how hard, you know, no one knows what it's like to be the bad guy, you know, to be the man behind blue eyes. So it's going back to what we were saying of, uh, you know, perceiving 
that there's uh, somebody, somebody's like this because of this, or somebody's like that because of that, or if I come to you and say, I have an issue, or I have these thoughts, or I have whatever it may be, it's kind of, how are you going to deal with that person? You know, are you just going to look at it on the surface and not scratch down any further to see what the real situation is or if you could truly be of help to somebody or, uh, or are you just going to blow it off? What's interesting, not to jump into another no, go portion on. of this, but to the professor's point earlier, when I told him that I was talking to somebody, it's even hard for me to say like seeking help. You know what I mean? Like it's it's even tough for me to say that, which is which is my own thing. But uh, like he didn't, he wasn't aware that he had to scratch or he had to keep peeling back, right? right. Because he talked about the mask, and um, you know, uh, I just don't know. Like, I understand what you're saying, but he didn't know that he had to maybe try and peel the onion a little bit more, you know? Right. So I think it's a hard position to try and talk about, you know? Sure. So I understand where you're coming from. I'm just trying to see it, like, at, like even in the professor's shoes in that case, like, if I wasn't putting off some kind of energy for him to realize that something was there, then, you know, we, we have our friendship. So let me ask you this. So Does that make sense, though? Yeah, absolutely. So, and behind it saying, does it even need to be scratched, right? Or let's say are you just coming to me saying this just to maybe get something off of your chest and just to talk, and maybe that's all you need. But so here we go. So there have been times when I've come to you mm-hmm. and I've said, what's up? And you're like, I'm good. And I'm like, what's my response? You, you ain't fucking good, bro. But that's just me knowing you, mm-hmm. right? There's a vibe that I'm getting off of you to where, and it might be something tiny. It might just be like you had a bad meeting one day. It could just be that, again, somebody rear-ended you on the way to work. It could be blah, blah, blah. But to me, I'm the type of friend that is, and I care enough and I love you that I'm going to say, I'm going to smack the crap out of you right now. You said I care enough and I love you. The professor kind of perked up like, hey. No, no, but go ahead. No, no, like I agree, right? And there's a certain level of, it's the willingness of Jason too to like engage in that conversation. Yep. And it's, you're exactly right. Like it doesn't take much scratching to start digging and create that comfortability. Like you're, you guys have been friends a lot longer than like I've been with either of you, right? And so like at a level where you can. But you still knew why, by the way. Just kidding, go ahead. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but it's just one of those where it's 
picking, being in a spot where they can. Sure. Be open to that because it's, it's yep. we already discussed you can't force it. Right. Like you can't make them do anything. Right. So there was one instance when you said I'm good and I said you're full of poop and poop. Y- you know poop. and you know you but to me it's it's one of two things right it's let's say I'm dealing with somebody else right not you just somebody else that I know and I say hey what's up and they say nothing and I say you're full of poop and one of two things right either they come out and say you're right this is bothering me or they say I'm good which I know means that they don't want to talk about it because I'm getting the vibe and I could tell that there is something wrong so I would have the respect to to follow up to follow up with I am here if you need to talk you know what man Listening to you talk about it in that way makes me realize that um, you were talking about your wife earlier. Was that on the last one that you cut off? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you were talking about how compassionate she is, and she's always putting others first. And you guys share that same thread. Right. Because listening to you talk about it that way makes me realize how much you care and how observant you are and how intuitive you are. And that you're tuning into people in a different way. And that that's what allows I mean, just you wanting, I think, to have that keen sense of what's going on uh, allows you to keep fresh. And that's easy for you. And that's a good thing. It's like not even a thought. And that's a good thing. And for others, it may not be so easy, but that's a good thing. And I feel like that's where we need to be. Is in that because then it really allows us to connect with other people. And it allows other people, it gives other people strength and courage to carry on that conversation in different settings. So I appreciate that about you. And, and I, 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 I might have like jumped on you talking about scratching and everything. But the way that you just explained it and your conviction behind it helps me understand exactly what it is that you're saying. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that about you. That was good, brother. I'm just happy that I could use my big boy words to get it out in a... Not, in a like, now I can use my big boy <laughs> words. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, ladies and gentlemen, um, we hope that you stick with us this month. Please 
this later on this month. Uh, so stick around for our first Faces in the Crowd interview in a while. We don't count the professor anymore. In 2018. Part of the squad. In 2018, the yeah. first Faces in the Crowd Of interview. 2018. And for those of you that don't know Faces in the Crowd is we pluck people out uh, that uh, maybe don't have a platform to share their knowledge and expertise. And we want to demonstrate that there's somebody right next to you that has a lot that they can share with the world. Damn right. So, ladies and gentlemen, for Beauty and the Beast Mode podcast, I am Yeye Martinez. I'm Big Jeff. Professor. Until next time, peace. See ya.